Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Was that fun? Come on, little dad jokes. Little dad jokes. Uh, hopefully you laughed a little bit. I'm going to jump right into it. We are working through Philippians this summer. And so I just want to jump in because I, I, actually there's a lot to, to talk about. Uh, this letter from Paul is to the church in Philippi. And we, if you missed last week, I would encourage you to go back. Uh, we are on podcasts and other streaming networks. And so um, you can go to our Instagram or Facebook page. At, I think it's The House NWA and find us there. But uh, this letter was sent and was penned. He wrote it in the last couple of years of his life. Okay, now think about this. Paul knew that his death was likely. Uh, how would you be acting if your death, you could see it coming? You know, the, 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 some of the exciting things about life is that we focus on living. But Paul was in a place where he knew at any moment there could be a shift and he would no longer be here. Even though he was in a dirty, rotten prison, forgotten by some of the people that he had discipled, he was encouraged and not discouraged. Come on, let's, let's think about this. Encouraged, not discouraged. Here's a verse that I want to give you. Philippians chapter 1, verse 20 and 21 says this. As it is my eager expectation. So obviously you don't see victim mentality. You don't see that he's depressed. You don't see that he's under it. And hope that I will not at all be ashamed. But that with full courage now as I always will with Christ will honor my body. Whether in life or death for to me, for to, me to live as Christ is to listen and die as gain. Here's this idea that Paul had an expectation that he was eager to meet and a hope that was living in him that his circumstances did not dictate his mood. Come on. I don't know about you, but because of the last 15 or 20 years where we have been promoting feelings, 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 and I want to say feelings matter. Okay? Feelings, if you think about it this way, in the car, feelings are great passengers, but they're terrible drivers. Paul is saying that I am going to feel a lot of things, and I have probably processed a lot of things, but yet I want you to know something, that I am full in courage. And... I am willing to offer my body. My life has, is not my own. And actually, if I can serve God with my life, listen, or with my death, I will do that. God, many would say that that is radical. Paul seems to be radical. But I want to challenge you that 
Paul wasn't radical or fanatical. He was normal. And so actually, as a society, when you begin to say words like, for me to live, I'm going to live as Christ, or to die would be gain. That's not a radical statement. That should be a normal statement. And it only seems radical to the people that don't want to make that kind of commitment. Can we just talk for a little bit? I would suggest to you that your spiritual maturity is not based on attendance. It's based on submission. And so you can actually sit in the auditorium of churches for 30 years and spiritually still be three. Attendance isn't indicative of maturity. And Paul is saying that when I gave my life to Jesus, everything changed. And now the life that I have is no longer mine, but it is, come on, the Lord's. And if that feels like a radical statement to you, then I would ask you to, come on, put on the zoom lens and look into your soul and look at the the, the pie graph and if God is holding 10% and there's 90% that is your own self will self motivation whatever I would ask you to check that because God's not upset that you're there but make no mistake he wants all of it he wants that 10% to grow to 20 20% to grow to 30 40% to go to 60, and he will be working on your soul and your spirit your whole life. You're still in process. I've been at church for 40 years. You're still in process. If you're not with him, you're here, and you're still, come on, in process. What a powerful statement. While his environment isn't ideal, listen, his purpose is clear. Paul wasn't discouraged. He was full of expectation and hope. Paul was focused. Come on, everybody say focused. Focused. In other words, Paul lived for something. He lived for something. And so one of the normal phrases that as a parent, when you're parenting your children, one of the normal phrases is, look at me. I remember when my wife, when my kids were small, she would lightly put her hands on their face when she wanted to tell them something. And she would say, hey, look at me. And they're, they're, her hands would be here and their eyes would be. And so we, she had to wait until they kind of, boom. <laughs> and I think that sometimes God is like, hey, you're distracted about a lot of things that are going on externally, internally, emotions, thoughts, conversations, where you're at, where you thought you would be, your season, whatever. And you, because of all you see that is real, you're actually discouraged and not encouraged and you're believing more what you see will come to pass rather than what I've called you to do. Come on, hear what I'm saying. And Paul wasn't limited by what he was in because he knew God was bigger than the cell. And I'm talking to people that are still trying to pay off student loans. 
I'm talking to people who are still waiting for that job opportunity. I'm talking to people, real people, who are still waiting to start their family. I'm, starting, I'm talking to people that are still trying to overcome marriage stuff. And I need you to know that wherever you find yourself is, that isn't the final story. See, for us, we have to understand that the reason we want to get our children's attention is because we know focus is imperative for them to follow through with the instruction that we've given them. I mean, think, think about your own life. Uh, anybody ever um, get distracted? Anybody ever have a mental, uh, just emotional, mental moment where you're just like, I, I, I'm discouraged and, and, and there's a breakdown of focus and follow through? Like you meant to do it? Come on, anybody meant to, to return that thing back to the store? Come on, I just came for somebody. Come on, how many of you, you're victim to um, your desire is high to return that thing, but the actuality is it's still in your house and now the receipt is no good. Come on, I'm not coming for you, I'm just talking. How many times have you walked back into the house after telling everyone goodbye and realizing I forgot my keys? I forgot my wallet. Come on, I forgot my briefcase. I forgot my backpack. Oh, my wife works at the same place I do. <laughs> I forgot her. <laughs> Anyone ever suffered in their execution because they were preoccupied with all the responsibilities around them? I know I need to be doing this, but I'm thinking about all this. Anybody ever miscommunicated in a conversation because your mind was somewhere else? Anyone ever been agitated because you feel stuck and you're not where you want to be? This past week, a pastor friend of mine was here and I was encouraging him. Uh, he wanted to come spend a couple of days with us. He was just processing some harder things and, and he just said, man, I just need some time with you. Can I come? And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll spend some time with you. And, and so... Um, we talked about a lot of things and finally I, I, I could tell, okay, I man, you need to have some fun. What, what would you like to do that, that is fun? And he was like, oh, well, um, you know, it's been a while since I've played golf. And I was like, okay. And uh, he was like, maybe we could get in nine holes. And I was like, you know, I mean, you don't like roller skating or anything, I'm like, anything else? And he was like, no, no, I think I'd like to do golf. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, Paul was in a prison. He's serving people. I'll serve people. And so, because uh, I knew what he didn't know about my golf game. It's bad. Okay, so I, 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 I'm, I'm serving of God. I buy some extra balls. You know, I'm like 14. And so uh, we go and we're playing the back nine and, and it's great. And, and I, man, the first two holes, I was like, oh my goodness. I can start doing this like with other people, you know, like, like I am not embarrassing myself. And then something happened around, you know, the third hole that we were in and uh, it just got worse. I'm just telling you like I, from every hole, I think I was, I lost like two balls. Um, and so when we got done, I was like, hey, how did you, was that fun? And he was like, oh, you, listen, this was so much fun for me watching you golf. I was like, well, thank you. We all suffer for Jesus. <laughs> but, 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 but 
and so and so what's funny is he he said I asked him I said do you golf a lot and he goes oh no 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 I don't I haven't golfed in years and I was like uh, you know uh, you know men you know oh you hadn't <laughs> well I've been golfing him two or three times <laughs> and then when we got done I was like he was really good and I was like but you haven't golfed in a while? Yeah, I haven't golfed in a couple years, but I won a couple tournaments, and I, I played in high school. I got played in college, had a ride. Blah, blah, blah. I, oh, I'm not supposed to hate you, but I got all the feels right now. And he said, you know what? I was watching your golf game, and I think you have a focus issue. And I was like, what are you talking about? He was like, well, you just keep your eye on the ball, keep your head down and follow through. And I thought, that's exactly what I'm preaching on Sunday. Because a lot of us, we get distracted and we think that because we know how to do it, that we're actually making contact. Come on, somebody, I'm about to preach with your purpose. And you're thinking, I'm going through the motions, but actually your focus is off. And hopefully today, that the presence of the Lord would minister to you and you wouldn't be focused on all your mess ups or misses that you would stay encouraged because Paul is putting on a clinic for us as believers how to live unshakable confidence and unspeakable joy my assignment as we continue on is stay encouraged not be encouraged but it is your responsibility as a maturing developing Christian to realize there will always be the world there will always be problems there will always be personalities and we have to make sure that we begin to navigate this world and the way we navigate it is we begin to change our perspective from thinking everyone should be fair polite and kind to God I need you to spirit mature me so that I am not always distracted come on Paul is helping the church understand and return their focus to truth truth why because truth will set you free he is leading the church to Jesus the author and finisher he, the focus isn't when we just read this verse, and we're going to read it here in a second, the focus, and, and I even see this, come on, even in churches, the focus for a believer is not to lead people away from darkness. The focus is to tell them about the extraordinary, extravagant light of Jesus. And that it's better over there than it is over here. And I'm not saying that we don't have to describe the darkness. I'm not saying that we don't have to warn people of the darkness. But we got way too many people preaching about the terribleness of darkness. But Jesus said, here in my Father's house, here is what God wants to do. Here is why I have come. Here is what God wants to do personally in your life. And we need to be focused on where we're going, not just avoiding where we've been. Come on. Jesus' focus isn't, listen, demons, denominations, or destinations. And I'm not saying that those aren't real or good to talk about. Absolutely, we know that there is spiritual attack on people and there's oppression on people. Absolutely, I'm not here going to stand up and tell you that every denomination in church history has been terrible. 
And I'm not going to certainly tell you that you don't need to think about your destination and where you're going and what God has because he has good plans for you. But I need you to know that the destination, the denomination, and even the evilness in life should not be your number one focus. Your focus is advancing the gospel. How do I know that? Because Paul, even in the first chapter, 17 times says, Jesus Christ, Jesus, Jesus Christ. He is trying to tell the people that even in horrible situations, Jesus is my focus. Jesus is my motivation. Come on, somebody. You can live above your circumstances, but the church's job is to advance the gospel. Here is what Jesus said. Come on, baptize them. Preach. Teach, move the gospel forward. Here's a key verse for us. Philippians chapter one, verse 27 says this. Only let the manner of your life be worthy. Come on, everybody say worthy. worthy. Of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, that I may listen to this, hear of you. Can we pause? Who is hearing of you? hearing of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, not distracted, not frustrated, not overwhelmed, and with one mind, look at this, side by side. In other words, you have the ability to have long-term relationships, and you are able to do side-by-side ministry for the faith of the gospel. And that means that you're going to have to overcome a lot of personalities. Come on, can you hear Paul? He is saying, listen, I am focused and I'm following through and this is why I'm staying encouraged. Last week we talked about the first reason that I really feel like Paul stayed encouraged is that he continued to feel gratitude and affection and wasn't overcome by negativity and all of the problems in people. Okay? But the second thing that we're going to talk about today for the rest of the day is Paul had a, a, an intentional focus on what God was doing. And if you're going to stay encouraged in your life, you've got to know God is doing something. God is doing something in you, in this city, in this church, in this nation, in this world. God is doing something. And if you're always digesting negativity, if you're always digesting CNN, Fox News, if you're always digesting all the things, I am not saying that we do not need to be informed. We do need to be informed. You need to know what's going on in your community. I am saying that absolutely, if Christians aren't informed, then we're naive but I am saying that we cannot totally digest everything that's wrong with everyone and stay encouraged we've got to see what God is doing Philippians chapter 1 12 and through 18 I want you to know brothers that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel what what how many people say that at the end of a major adversity? How many teenage girls come up the day after they break up with a relationship that they thought was going to be something and go, I actually believe that this light momentary affliction was good for the advancement of the gospel. <laughs> come on. Come on. 
Look at this. So that it has become known throughout the whole Imperial Guard. Like people are chit-chatting. And to all the rest of my imprisonment is for Christ. What? In other words, let me, yo, let me tell you what happened. They got me locked up in this prison. They thought they won't stop the movement, but actually the movement started rolling once I was gone. And it's crazy what has happened is people are starting to get confident. They're starting to speak. When I was present, they were all listening to me, but when I moved, they started talking. God did this. We're about to spread this thing. I can't even tell you what they thought they were going to incarcerate the word actually unleashed it. What the enemy thought he was going to do in my life actually changed everything and got the attention of my child, got the attention of my wife, got the attention what he thought he was going to come on I feel the anointing right here what what the enemy thought he was going to do actually God superseded it y'all not with me yet but we going there come on listen and most of the brothers having been confident in the Lord in my imprisonment are so much more bold to speak the word without fear. Oh, look at this. Some indeed preach with envy and rivalry. Oh, now we're going to get into a little church drama. Paul's about to make it plain. But others, goodwill. The latter do it out of love. And remember, some people minister truth in love and it's, and it's effective. Knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel, the former proclaim Christ out of a selfish ambition. They, they don't have sincerity. But thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment, what then? Only that in every way, come on, everybody say every way, whether in pretense, they fake, or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and I rejoice in that. Come on. So, come on. I need to talk to all you YouTube theologians that everybody's trying to tear down somebody else and we've got millions of YouTubes on everybody who's a fake preacher and a fake gospel and this and, and we now have a society that wants to call out everybody but here's the thing that I need you to know. Paul addressed it but he said, listen, their motive made me off there may be something going on in them, but they are preaching Jesus when they could preach another name, and because they're preaching Jesus, at least I'm going to rejoice in. As we open up this text from Paul, he isn't avoiding what's happening. He's dealing with it. Paul is focused on what, is God, what God is doing and his faith is full. And I just want to talk real quick because many, in many Christian circles, it's hard for people to balance reconciling reality and faith-filled speech. And I absolutely believe that our confession has to line up with the word of God over our feelings. Okay, hear me. We never want to speak curses over ourselves or other people. Don't ever say over yourself, I'm stupid. Uh, oh, I'm going to die. Um, don't ever say over someone else, I, I hope someone hurts them the way they hurt me. Like We don't ever want to speak that over people out of our mouth because our words have power. Come on, hear what I'm saying. 
Paul is going through something real, but look at he has faith in the middle of the process. He knew that God was going to move. So, listen, I remember coming up through the 80s, and you couldn't say you were sick. I'm not, I'm, I'm sick. No, you know you're not. It's a negative confession. Well, but I, but I really am sick, and I have a fever. You don't have a fever? No, I, I, I do have a fever, and I need a nap. You don't need a nap. You need Jesus. Well, can I have Jesus and nap in a blanket all at the same time? And 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 and, and there's there's this, this this tension that I want you to know that we're not as believers superstitious. We're full of faith. Your words have power and what you say matters. And it's important to be able to be able to be descriptive and faith-filled. We've had people go through cancer and we didn't know how to pray for them unless they, can, unless they were able to speak and say, here is what I'm going through, here is what the doctor said, now we're choosing to respond in faith and we don't have to accept that as the only verdict, come on somebody, but we have to be able to be able to explain where we're at. Hey, my marriage is in, in trouble. No, it's not in Jesus' name. Well, my wife just told me she was leaving. No, she's not. I don't know how to talk to you. <laughs> and, and, and so the reality is, tell me your story. Hey, let me hear your context. Let me hear what God is doing. Let me hear what you're hurting. Let me listen well, and then let me begin to shift you and go, but here's faith, and here's God, and here's what they said, but here's what God said. Come on, does that make sense? Paul is addressing real problems with unshakable confidence and unspeakable joy. There are so many voices and distractions, and I just believe that God, as Paul is writing, he's just saying, y'all look at me. Come on, let me grab your head a little bit. Church in Philippi. Church in Rogers. Come on, just, hey, just look at me a little bit. And, and he grabs, you know, in a moment, in worship or whatever, and we're not, <laughs> our eyes are going everywhere. God is still moving in people's lives. Come on, look, look, listen, listen to what I'm saying. God is still moving. When we focus on what God is doing, God is still moving in people's lives. God is not sleeping. He's not sleeping. His work and his hand is outstretched in this church, in our community. Come on, God, God is moving. Let me just give you a few ways that I see God moving over the last five years. Faith-based media and movies are making an impact. And I know that some of you may be like, oh my God, Christian films, but bro, you should have seen them like 25 years ago. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> hey, we're going to watch a Christian film and the acting was like, Let's pray about it. <laughs> I mean, it was like, oh, it was bad. <laughs> but now faith-based films are becoming a profitable business. In other words, there's a market for that. Christian movies are getting serious about faith and movies. And I just, I, I pray that even some, some of our young people that are going to grow up, man, I, I, it would be awesome if there's editors and producers and people. Like, I, I think that this is a great way. Like, the, the, the TV show The Chosen has now surpassed the views of Baywatch. That's big. <laughs> You know, because Jesus is just in sandals. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, listen. 
Y'all getting too religious on me. You know that was funny. If y'all weren't in church, every one of y'all be like, I, I can't believe he said that. And my wife will tell me that was dumb later. All right. Come on, think about this. During the Super Bowl this last year, an organization called He Gets Us ran several ads promoting Jesus. Hollywood is providing a wider and wider platform for Christian-based movies. Christian audiences are becoming more influential and they're deciding what they're going to take their families to. Remember the Buffalo Bills uh, safety, DeMar Hamlin's heart stopped in the middle of the field and players, coaches, and sports broadcasters began to call for prayer on live TV in Jesus' name. If you are always digesting the what's terrible, then that's all you're going to see. And so let's just be honest. If we were going to break it down and I knew you and you knew me and every time we were not around each other, we always amplified what was negative in us, that would be the first thing that you see when we came into contact with each other. Well, that's not the first thing that we see in our world, in our churches, in America, and whatever. That's the first thing we see. Think about the um, revival at Asbury. Um... This moment attached and imparted, come on, come on, God moments and encounters to the ages of 18 and 30. And why was this important? Because the, the key demographic that is leaving the church is 18 to 30. And, and, and because of their week of revival, young people were drawn in and had an, had an impression of God on their soul and I believe that that will have major implications for our country come on just think about court cases that, that have happened in, last summer the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade now think about this as of April 21st 2022 42 states have introduced a total of 417 pro-life bills. That's over 600 pro-life provisions. Come on, that's good. You can clap for that. I know, listen, 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 listen. The church has got to hold the standard even though we, but we've got to hold a standard and be compassionate. So you think I'm being political, but I'm not I'm being biblical. And so, and so the truth of the matter is we understand that everybody has a different context to their story because the the truth train people get on that at different seasons we never want to be the church that says if you come here you have to automatically be in at this mile marker you get in where you get in and we believe that God can heal you and reveal and, and work and, and do and we're going to walk slow come on does that make sense God in in God we trust I don't know if you knew this but can be back in every public school. Uh, the church, the school can't buy it, but they can don't if it's donated. In God we trust can be in every public school. That was a court case that was won. Now, right now, I don't I don't know if you know this, but even Texas, uh, it passed the Senate. It didn't pass Congress, but but they're working on getting the Ten Commandments back in every public school. Like like it. God is moving uh, crosses and Ten Commandments. You remember 20 years ago when they were pulling everything down? You couldn't, you couldn't have a public display of religion anywhere? Well, all of those can be restored and all of those can be publicly displayed because there was a court case and a decision made. Right now, the Fifth Circuit Court, uh, Judge Mack, uh, 
before he enters a conviction, he prays. And so they, they told him that that's unconstitutional. And so it went to the Fifth Circuit Court and he won. And now before a verdict is given, a judge can call for prayer. I just need you to know that God is moving all around. Come on, listen. Our world. But we get so small and we get distracted. And I need you to stay encouraged. Yes, there's darkness. Yes, there's demons. Yes, there's danger. But none of those things are stronger than God. You got to stay focused on what God's doing. Are you with me? Come on, say I'm with you. This just another thought. We're talking about focusing on what God's doing. The truth still sets people free. The truth still sets people free. The great thing about truth is it works even when people's motives aren't right. And I need to speak to this because I'm sure that you've had a moment. If we were going to be intellectually honest and raise our hand over this, there have been moments when people did not act right, but they said the truth to you. They didn't deliver it right. They didn't say it right. And maybe that friendship dissolved because of their conduct. But that doesn't mean that three years later you didn't start thinking about it and realize you were wrong. The way you brought it was wrong. The timing was wrong. But your concept was right. And actually, I needed to hear that. Maybe not the way you gave it to me. But I actually believe that that was something that God wanted me to know. Come on, how many of you, be honest, you, you have, come on. That's what Paul understood. That he is trusting God in all people to heal and reveal. Remember, truth is the thing that sets people free. And Paul tells us the best way to minister truth is in love. That's the best way. Truth without love cripples people. But love with truth, come on, begins to unleash the God capacity in their life. And, and Paul is telling us that you are going to meet church members, listen to this, and church leaders who envy, have rivalry, and selfish ambition. You are going to meet those people. They're going to be in your life group. They're going to be a co-worker. They're going to be sitting next to you in church. They're going to be leaders. They're going to be people. And here's how you think about that. Listen, envy is this. They're, people are just totally discontent. They're provoked by what another church has or another, what someone else has. And they live their whole life on what everybody else has. Oh, I see you got your hair did. Oh, okay. I see you got like clothes. Oh, I see that you got a new show. Oh, you got a new car. Oh, must be nice. Isn't God good? And you're like, I feel weird. I feel weird right now because you don't know what we've done to get here. And I feel like God's finally blessing us. And now you all like mad. You're full of envy. And just say it. I care too much about what everybody else has. I care too much about what everybody else is doing. And I don't feel good about what God's doing in my life because I'm too busy about what God's doing in everybody else's life. And Paul is saying, <laughs> stay focused. Rivalry. Rivalry. Acting in a superior manner with a spirit of competition. I want you to win. And I want you, come on, to do well. And that's okay. But you ain't better than nobody. Come on. 
don't walk in and go, I've been in this church for seven years. I was one of the founding members. We ain't giving you no title or card. But way too many people, because you finally made what you've been dreaming about, or you kind of got the house that you got, and you kind of, and so you know what happens is we kind of get the house that we, maybe we have like twenty five hundred square feet, and then we go to some of our other family that maybe don't make maybe they're in twelve fifty, and we're like, hmm, nice place, so nice here. I love how I can hear everybody talking at one time. It's kind of cozy. Well, listen, you, you're not better than anybody else. God's working on your life and he's done miracles in your life. And don't, don't come with that. Selfish ambition, a tendency to focus on self, meaning it centers around me first. Mentality, oh, I, you know, I used to go to that church, but they didn't talk to me. Who'd you talk to? Nobody. Okay. That's why nobody talked to you. Because you didn't talk to them. That's how it works. Well, I, I went to... Three life groups and nobody invited me to dinner. How many people did you invite to dinner? Oh, you don't want to clear off your table. You don't want to clean your house. But you're expecting everybody to clean their house for you? Come on. Y'all not ready for me. I'm just going to go on. Y'all like, we already know this. Come on, listen. Ambition, selfish ambition puts my wants and needs above God or his people. And it's easy to get discouraged when you encounter people who, who respond this way. And Paul is telling you, you're going to. And here's how he says, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is being proclaimed and I rejoice in that. Come on, stop getting distracted by useless quarrels and divisions. Yeah, yes. Paul has letter after letter that he writes the church because the more people that get together, the less we know how to act. And so God, is, through Paul, is saying, hey, you're going to find this, this, and this. They're faithful. They're tithing. They're growing. They're trying to preach Jesus. They're imperfect. They're doing. Come on, let them grow. Let the Holy Spirit work on their life. It's okay. Let's, let, let's see what God does in about 10 years. Come on, y'all should be clapping for this. So let me break it and make it plain to you. Don't judge your spouse because they're not growing as fast as you think they should. Stop being critical of your life group leader. Don't get distracted and lose focus and miss the real target. The goal isn't that churches in this city and northwest Arkansas hate each other. Let's stay focused. Let's follow through. Here's the last one. I want you to know people are still advancing the gospel. Like people are still saying yes to the calling of God. I'm going to do something big. I'm a, I don't know where to start. I don't know how to start. I'm going to start small. But people are still saying, God, I believe you can do something. Come on, in my life. Courageous steps are still being taken by people every minute of the day. Countless people are leveraging their resources to advance the gospel. They're sending missionaries. They're giving. They're doing. When you begin to tithe regularly here, and you posture your heart in a place of obedience, I want you to know that you're following through and you're actually using your career to leverage building the gospel, advancing the gospel, moving it forward. One of the best investments that you can make in the world is the church. 
And I'm not saying that because I'm a pastor. If I wasn't a pastor, I would still be an elder and preaching this. If you want a real ROI on your return and you want dividends, you want dividends in souls because that's the only thing we're taking with us. Come on, does that make sense? We had one of our dear ladies, Catherine Yoder, and two weeks ago she passed away. And she been coming for about eight months, and she was in her 80s. And every day, I, every time service was over, she would meet me out front. She was hard of hearing, and she, I would have to come in real close, and she'd tell me about the word or the sermon or, or, or preach or whatever, and we'd talk a little bit. And she would always be with her daughter, Susan. And before she passed, she got all of her family together and blessed each one of them. And she said, hey, I'd like to take a portion of what I'm leaving you guys, and I would like to bless the church. And I want you to know that people are still advancing the gospel. We're still sending out missionaries. This week, we had 50 students come and be around and, and, and learn missions and ministry and discipleship. And I want you to know that God is doing something. There is a lot of vision in this house. And so I want to talk to you real quick. God is still moving. And we don't sit, the goal for this church, many of y'all, you just, we haven't talked yet personally. But, you know, Katie and I never wanted to plant a church. That wasn't our heart. We wanted to go missions, discipleship, whatever. And I remember a pastor telling me, you know, you, you, you need to pastor. And we, we wanted to pastor. We just wanted someone to give us the church. And was, we'd already done all the hard work. I mean, it was hard starting. And when God called us here, here's what he told me. He said, if you'll invest in all of the people that everybody is ignoring, they will spiritually grow and become people of influence and no one will ignore them. And so here's how we see you. We don't see that you are here, here to build our ministry. We are here to help you build the ministry in you. And so we are going to hold the ladder as you climb up, and absolutely there's going to be challenge, and absolutely there's going to be hard conversation. And a lot of you, if I'm just going to be frankly, haven't stepped into what God called you to do because you don't want to mess up or you feel like you're imperfect or you feel like you, you mess up too much or people-pleasing or whatever. But we need the Holy Spirit to get moving in your life because there are things that we're going to do. We're going to have seven campuses. We're going to send multiple missionaries. My, my job, my goal is to raise up sons and daughters, pastors, men and women who are going to to lead effectively because here's what Paul knew when I step back people grow when I step back people grow when I step back people grow this is the heart of this church and I need you to stay encouraged it's not a perfect church you're not a perfect individual but I'm staying encouraged because God's got something for me and what he started in me come on listen he is going to perfect it four weeks ago we had a couple here and they're launching a church in Salem Springs and um, and uh, the pastor came up to me after we were done and he said man pastor it was great service I want you to know I'm starting a church and I just hugged him I said we need another church he was like what? I was like yeah we need another church I said if you meet with me I'll give you some money he said, when can we meet? 
And so we went over there and ate at Chewy's, and, and uh, he told me his story and told me his heart and told me what he wanted to do. And I said, you know what, I just want you to know we have a very generous church, and we have people who want to advance the gospel. And so we gave him $1,000 just, just, just to sow a seed into his church. He's actually not the first one we've done that. We've done that five other times. We just want to sow because we believe if it's here or if it's there, come on, we're all the big C church, and we want to see God move. Freedom is still happening. Dreams are still being birthed in your life. God is still meeting needs. Man, you can come out. Here's my end is that Paul isn't a radical, he's focused. And what could God do in your life if you got focused? See, the Bible says that God is not the author of confusion. And if you are confused about, should I go left, should I go right, should I jump in, should I not jump in, should I meet, should I not meet, should I invest, should I not invest, should I make new friends, should I not make should I be in life group, should I not be in life group, and you're constantly confused because you can always see two options, then I would tell you, you need to get closer to the presence of the Lord because he makes it clear. And, and most of the time when we're in a season of confusion, it's because we've walked away from what he told us because we don't like what he's saying. And we hope that in distance he'll change his mind. But God's not schizophrenic. He's trying to do something in your life. He's trying to move you. Come on. He's trying to move you. So that's why we pray, God, whatever you want to do. Encouragement is a big deal in the workplace. Only 15% of workers worldwide feel engaged in their work. Why? Because they're discouraged. En engagement. Uh, employee engagement. 87% are less likely to resign from their company when a boss or a supervisor comes in and tells them, you're doing a great job, we need you. Thank you for being here. Under 40% of employees feel underappreciated. Now that's in the workplace. What happens when the church is always discouraged? Our hope is in Jesus. Come on, the gospel is in Jesus. And we're moving this thing forward. And we're moving it forward with broken people, y'all. We're moving it forward with imperfect people. And so here's the thing. What is the thing that has stole your focus? So we're just going to rest in this moment for a second. And I want you to just kind of pray, God, am I distracted? Am I discouraged? Am I, what's going on in me? Is that fire still burning like it was when I was a teenager or a college student or a young adult? Is that fire still, or has reality hit me and, and now I've shelved some dreams and, and actually I need to re-engage again. Maybe some people moved that you loved. Maybe a life group switched. Maybe you, I don't know what's going on. But I'm telling you, there's something burning in you. And today I might not be talking to everybody, but I'm talking to you. And I'm saying, it's time to get focused. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.